It's Monday morning, everyone. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. Couple days before Christmas, uh, my partner in crime, Frank, has left me to go visit his family in the hinterland, and so uh, I'm here solo. And I've got a longtime friend and a killing machine, Craig Van Arnsdale, on the podcast. Did I pronounce that right? Is it Van Arnsdale? Yeah, you did. And most people screw that up. <laughs> I, I've known you few, eight years, probably, I guess, seven or eight years. I met you really just at the Sheep Show, really. Yep. Yeah, just kind of, I think, you know, knew each other through Rock Slide at the time and then met up. Yeah, I think it was probably eight years ago. Dude, you've been on a, a terror. How much shit have you shot in the last couple of years? Good Lord. Well, more than that, but you've been all over the world, too. What uh, what what are some of the crazier trips you've gone on? Well, I mean, not quite as much stuff as you have, but uh, um, I guess the crazier trips is I've been to, I went to Russia last year just to film a trip for a friend of mine um hunting tur so we hunted two species of tur one in the mid caucus mountain range and one in the western range what uh did you think uh was it what you thought it would be uh you know it's hard you i mean i i guess i would have thought that the people would have been uh i don't know you, you know i guess the, the people are just incredibly nice over there when you go over there it's just like there's no issues i mean i we haven't had a single issue on any of those hunts everybody's super friendly um you know, everybody's on the same page there. The, the terrain is crazy, you know, and the, the hunting is, is incredible. Like, there's just tons of animals. You wouldn't, you know, you go up here and you're, like, trying to find, a, you know, a sheep or something like that. And you go over there and there's just herds of, like, 30 or 40 sheep. So, you know, finding the bigger one is really the only the only issue that you have. And then the communication, obviously. None of those people speak any English most of the time. Do they um, burn yak shit in their yurts? Uh, they did that in uh, Kazakhstan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it sucks. It burns your eyes. <laughs> but it's better than staying in a tent on the top of a windblown mountain. So yeah, no, you got that right. Um, and you you <laughs> shot a giant mule deer uh, as well. What that thing ended up scoring? Uh, the green growth was two oh eight and six eight. What did he did he net over two? Uh, you know, I haven't, I, I got him freeze dried, um, commercially freeze dried by a place up in Colorado that has, you know, they can do like a full size elk. Um, and so I haven't measured it since then. I'm assuming that it, you know, shrunk a good bit, but you know, if I had to guess, it's probably around 201 net, you know, after it shrinks and the deductions and whatnot. Gotcha. What, uh, what, what was the story with that thing? Well, you know, I, when I moved to Arizona, it put me, you know, in the resident pool after I, you know, spent the time there to become a resident and I just kind of threw my name in the hat, you know, just figured, Hey, you gotta, didn't, didn't plan on hunting coos deer with my bow is really the plan. So I just figured I'd throw the name in the hat. Couldn't believe it. I drew, I decided, you know, Hey, I'd, like a once in a, literally once in a lifetime, not only to draw the tag, but to draw it on that kind of moisture year. Yeah. It was like the best moisture in like 30 years from what I've heard, but, uh, and so I booked an outfitter, uh, Jason Bond. He's out of Flagstaff and uh, just a super cool guy. He's a retired police officer. He's guided the strip for like 26 years. And, you know, I came into camp that day and he had some, you know, he had some giant non-typical bucks, you know, a lot of bucks in the like 210, 215, 220 range, even a couple that were bigger. But then he showed me this typical, you know, and he had seen this deer like, you know, with his glass for the last three days in a row. It just, you know, 37 inch clean four point, you know, clearly a 200 inch plus deer. And I was like, yeah, let's hunt that one. Oh yeah. What, how'd it go as far as the stock and all that? Well, I, uh, I stalked him twice on the first day and I had him at like 50 yards the first day, the first stock. 
but he was behind a PJ on the other side of it. You know, of course, he was with like seven other bucks at the time. And so the wind ended up getting me, you know, midday and they all blew out. And then I got on them later that day as well. But I, I could only, you know, I was about 80 yards or so and they kept moving around and it was the same group of deer again. I ended up bumping them again. So they were pretty worried about, you know, you don't know how many times you can bump a two inch deer before that game is over, you know? And, uh, but so we didn't find those deer at all. None, none of the deer for seven days or for, uh, sorry, for two days. And then on the fourth day of the hunt, we picked him back up in the morning and he had just one other three point buck with him. And, uh, so that was, I mean, he was kind of over in that same like rim, rim rock cliffy area. And so I was able to get over on top of him and we basically, you know, with having the resources we did, the other people and stuff, I just sat on him all day until he made, you know, a move to get in the right position. That ended up being like 11 hour stock. And then he ended up popping up on the rim, same spot as me. And it was, you know, under 20 yards. So, uh, did you shit your pants when he came out? Yeah. I mean, being under 20 yards, you know, it's like not the greatest shot. I hit him just a little bit back. It was probably more liver. But, uh, you know, I just, I had no idea he was going to come up that close. Um, so when he did, you know, I made that shot and then it was a little bit back. I didn't, didn't see him fall, you know, so we, it was right at the end of the night. So we let him, you know, sit overnight, which was stressful, you know, but, but I was pretty confident in the shot and we came back the next morning and trailed him, you know, just a few hundred yards and, and found him there piled up. Oh, gotcha. Was that, was it as big as you thought it was or did it grow as you got up closer? Yeah, he was pretty, I mean, we really like, we had some good phone scope footage of him and stuff. So like, and you know, with those guys experience, we had him pretty close. I, I think one of the guys were kind of talking like two or six to a seven, a couple of us were two or eight, two or nine, you know, and he was, he was right there, two or eight and six, eight gross screen. So, uh, and then he was 37 wide. I think that was one of the guys thought he was 38, you know, but right there. Yeah. I was, you were on the cover of what was that thing? Oh, East Eastman's. Cause I had an, yeah, it was in, uh, Scott's, uh, hunting shack, the, the magazine. Yeah. And I'd seen the deer, but you know, yeah, I'm so busy. And I was like, ah, oh, that's a good buck. And I went, and then I saw it. And I was like, fuck me. That's a big deer. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, I read the, you know, obviously the article you wrote or the, the, you know, in the magazine and yeah, man, that thing was giant. What all you've killed, what all have you shot this year other than that? I shot a lion in, back in January, um, in New Mexico. Um, I hunted out dad, I hunted out dad down a ranch with, uh, you know, through Brian Martin. Yeah. Just kind of like a DIY type of thing. And then so yeah, Avelina, I did take a black tail on Kodiak this year. Um, the strip hunt, Montana for deer and elk, Idaho for elk. You killed a couple elk in Idaho, didn't you? Yep. Yeah. I killed both my archery bull tags. So I'm, I'm sure people are going to ask, how, how do you get to hunt so much? So for me specifically this year, I quit my job and saved a bunch of money and took the year off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, are you going to, uh, get synced back up with kind of what you were doing down in Arizona or? Yeah, so I'm actually looking at it because I want to, you know, one of the goals was when I quit is I wanted to be able to hunt more in general. So, you know, instead of just getting a few weeks of vacation that you, you know, slave away for for 10 years to get, I'll probably do like the same vein of work, but I'd like to do some little bit more traveling and stuff. So I have some flexibility to, you know, go work a project, work some overtime, say goodbye, come back, work another project, you know, and be able to take, you know, September off, right? So at least for a couple of years, I, I think because people ask all the time and I, I did a podcast talking about this recently, we haven't published it yet, but, um, you know, Hey, how do I get in the industry? And, uh, 
you know, if you want, if you're, if you're wanting to hunt a lot, don't get in the industry. I'm one, I'm one in a million with what I get to do. Really, the best thing to do is get a job that's very conducive to hunting and that that pays good money. <laughs> like, yeah, firefighter, police officer. You know, start your own company. Like Jake Downs, you know, he's a, he's a hunting fool as well. And uh, you really have to prioritize. I don't know if you're married or not, but being married is definitely not a bonus when you want to hunt all the time normally. Um, I'm lucky, but <laughs> you look at it and a lot of hunts, you know, if, if you're, if you prioritize your life around going hunting, or, there's a lot of hunts you can afford if you pinch pennies and, you know, don't piss away money on brand new gear every year, just get good gear one time. And, you know, you can, you can do it. I got to hunt a shitload when I work construction by just kind of big paro steel, you know, figuring it out. And, and you've been, you're kind of same boat. I mean, you, you've had a really good job, but even with, cause how much vacation did you have before three weeks, four weeks a year? You know, the way I worked it with, you know, getting some overtime that I would take as comp time at the end of the year, I would typically get five weeks if I worked it good. Yeah. And, and, and that's, um, obviously more than most, but you know, two to three weeks is pretty feasible if you've been working at a job in a while and you can you can hunt your ass off with three weeks of vacation. I mean, that's quite a bit if you're if you plan it right. But if you have a family and you have to go on family vacations, that's gonna fuck that up quick. Um, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, a lot of the hunts I did this year, you know, like I mean, I quit. I didn't have any income coming in, so it was just the money that I had saved, you know. And of course, I did do you know a few like guided hunts, but out of all those hunts, you know, that's just gas money backpacking food and a tag you know that's it yeah i mean your idaho hunts you know for a good example not that i want more people in the state of colorado hunting go hunt some other state but you can do it <laughs> right i mean you can go and hunt let's say whatever if you wanted to go hunt um blacktail which sucks but if you wanted to hunt blacktail you know you land in portland and you know you head out <laughs> i mean not that expensive of a tag i mean your chances of success um, are zero if you don't go. Yeah. And so you're just trying to stress it because, you, you know, whether it's haters or guys with questions like like the deal with Scott, you know, I just kind of wheeled and dealed with Scott, got him some packs and, you know, whatever. And so I, I really kind of a trespass fee and you were just down there, Scott, with top of Texas Outfitters. Same with the Outdad. You can get into a lot of different hunts if you're careful, uh, you know, trespass fees, tags, it is expensive, but if you if you want to go elk hunt, you know you can budget a grand in there, and with the tag and everything, that's pretty realistic uh, to be able to go hunt out of state for elk. And you know, you if you're buying a brand new bow every year, that's probably gonna you know put a ding in the hunting fund. Like that's where I see guys kind of get in trouble. As much as I like to match, actually, I'm kidding. I hardly even match now, and I get free camo. But you don't have to match your clothing, right? You just get good clothing. Don't buy cheap shit because you're gonna have to buy it again. And and you can you can do quite a few hunts. And you're a good example of that. I mean, probably what I guess since I've known you, I mean, you've been having great success every year. And uh, you know, not about you know, you don't go on that many guided hunts. Nope. Yeah, I do. I don't know, maybe one or two a year. You know on how I, what I can afford. What did you, not to jump around too much, what did you think of hunting whitetail with Scott? Man, I had a blast. Like, I, I had hunted whitetail, you know, and I grew up in western Washington. I had hunted on the east side, you know, a couple times with a friend over there, but never had any real success, you know, and saw, saw a few deer. But, you know, to, to go somewhere where there's just like 
you know, target rich environment. You got tons of deer coming in. Like it's, it's exciting. They're right there. Like that's just, it was totally new to me. You know, never really have hunted bears out of a tree stand, you know, a little bit too, but that's it. Yeah. Um, that spot, one of the spots you went, um, I, I shot a buck in there and I don't know if they told you about that, where he put that decoy up, the special needs decoys, like missing an ear. Dude, they were coming in like crazy to that decoy. It was pretty, pretty, pretty wild where they're coming in through there. And, you know, even that hunt, you know, full price, I think he charges 3500 but um, obviously I wheeled and dealed. But, um, I mean, you, I mean, you had pretty good action for the first four days, didn't you? Yeah, it was, uh, it died like after I shot my deer. I shot my deer on the third morning. There was still, I mean, there was a smaller buck actually when I shot my buck that was chasing a doe like while I shot mine. And then after that, it kind of, you know, the moon was starting to get full and the temperatures got a little warm there and it kind of died off. But, but that was toward the end of the run anyways, you know, as far as just seeing the bigger bucks. But Yeah, yeah. What uh, what do you got planned for 2020? Anything yet? Yeah, so actually I'm headed up to, uh, I drew a um, archery mule deer tag in New Mexico. So on the, on the 2nd um, of January there, I'm heading over there. And uh, then I'll just hunt the rest of the month there in, in January for coos deer in Arizona. And that's kind of what I have right now. Yeah. You got anything you're hoping to get for the fall season? Man, I'm like, I've been, you know, I've been putting in for lots of states for years and I'm, I'm kind of getting up there. I haven't really drawn any good elk tag. So, well, you know, I'm hoping to draw a good elk tag, but I just, I don't know if it'll happen or not. You know, kind of in that last couple of years before I'll be 100% draw, you know. What uh, gear-wise for, like, in-state backpack hunts, uh, and you can mention the K-word even though I'm not a big fan, what are you running for, for <laughs> gear? Like, you know, obvi- I, you run my pack, but um, clothing and your bow set up, shelter, things like that. Just because you – one thing for me that I try to stress to people is when you buy gear and you're planning on hunting all over Hell's Half Acre, you got to buy pretty well-rounded gear uh, just because of the different – you know, you got shit flying at you from every different angle, whether, you know, you're in Arizona and you're dealing with scorpions and snakes and shit, and then you're, next thing you know, you're in whatever, Idaho, where you're dealing with grizzlies. But what what's your yeah. kind of mainstays for gear-wise? So, I mean, for like a shelter, I pretty much, like I'll run the Hilleberg uh, Atco, single person for most of my stuff. Um, I'd actually, I'd like to, I want to get that Enan because you just don't need the really four-season, you know, weight of that for most of the stuff I do. And then when I'm on like late season stuff, so, you know, I'll run your guys's Lasaltus or, you know, an eight man or something like that with a stove for shelter wise. Uh, for bag, I usually, I run a slick bag, a zero degree most of the time. I have a 20 as well. And then if it gets super cold, I've got a Western Mountaineering negative 25 actually that I just picked up this year. It's kind of truck and, you know, teepee something close to the truck, but it's, it's amazing. It's like sleeping in a freaking bed of lava. And then let's see here. I guess so like Bo is, uh, I've been shooting a PSD this year, but, uh, I kind of, I, I think are around. So I'm, it seems like I've got a different bow company every year. Shooting gold tip arrows right now, the Pierce platinum 300. And I've been actually, so like this year I used the thorn broadhead, that new expandable. I've been pretty happy with that. I've shot picks mostly for, the last several years but i've kind of been playing around for like the smaller you know deer species and stuff using a good mechanical gotcha. and then i'll usually shoot a slick, slick trick fixed blade for fixed four blade for elk and stuff like that gotcha how many how many pounds are you shooting i just shoot 70 and then what do you run for like a backpacking stove 
sleeping pad, um, headlamp, like anything specific jumps out at you that you found works really well, or do you kind of jump around on gear just seeing what works? Uh, no, I would say that's pretty, um, pretty solid there. I've had the same stuff for a few years. I use a little zebra light headlamp that just takes the double A battery with the flood. Um, it's super light. I just throw it in my cargo pocket. It never leaves, um, you know, along with a couple batteries. So that's uh, pretty clutch there. And then, um, so sleeping pad, I use that Thermarest, uh, X-Therm. Um, that's been, I mean, like, I can't even believe how long I've had that. I've probably had that for like three years and somehow not even popped it. What kind of release are you shooting? You know, I just shoot a trigger release, a Scott Echo. Um, I do practice around a little bit with like a, you know, Carter Revolution at home and stuff. But, uh, for hunting, I just, I've stuck with just a index finger release, you know. Gotcha. What, uh, have you, do you struggle, have you struggled much with target panic at all or stayed pretty free and clear? Oh, no, I've, I had it. Like, I've had it bad at times in the past. I haven't had any issues with it probably for the last three years. You know, I wouldn't say that, like, I don't have any. I don't, I don't know very many people that don't. You know, it doesn't, doesn't affect me enough to where I, you know, have issues with shooting. Yeah. And I think everybody's got it a little bit, no matter whether they want to admit it or in or not. On that note, I'd get away from gear. You got any epic misses that about made you cry or anything you want to talk about there? You know, most of my misses the last couple of years have been stupid stuff like hitting a freaking branch or having a deer, you know, like duck my string or something, really. Nothing nothing too crazy on whatever you could call the Van Arnsdale buck. You haven't missed any of them? No, not really. Yeah, thank God I hit that one this year. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I, I wish I could say that. The struggle stick, will, <laughs> that'll happen. You tried shooting a recurve for a little bit, didn't you? Oh, well, I, so I have one. I've got a stalker. Um, yeah, I, I was actually thinking about this year. I I just don't shoot it very often, but uh, I was thinking about hunting javelina with it. It'd be a perfect little animal to go shoot in Arizona. You know, but I've never shot anything with it. Yeah, it'll be well if you got time. You can fly up here and go hang out with me and Tom and fling some arrows. It's kind of a pain in the butt initially getting started with it. But I was gonna say you were asking me a question about a couple of years ago, so you've had it for a little while. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, I feel pretty good. Like when I was shooting it, I could you know, 20 yards. Like I don't, I couldn't really do much beyond that. I was just shooting instinctively, but, uh, I would, there's like the place I hunted in elk this year in Idaho, like there's a couple of swallows and stuff that like, I'm pretty sure I could get a 15 yard shot into a bull, you know, so I might, might look at doing that in the next couple of years. Yeah. It's a commitment. Good luck. The, uh, (laughs) (laughs) what, um, what, when you were, um, I guess I'm trying to think it was three, was it three years ago when you guys went over? You were in Kyrgyzstan, right? Was that two years ago or three? Um, I haven't been. I, I just went to Kazakhstan. Um, I had a buddy, John, that he went, I think, probably three years ago. That might have been when we were talking at the sheep show. Gotcha. Well, when you were in, when you went to Kazakhstan, the traveling over there, was it as big of a pain in the butt as, as, as uh, everybody makes it out to be, or was it fairly uh painless so on the way in it's not it wasn't too bad like i mean it's a lot of travel you know but like for instance you know you flew flew all the way over there i want to say once you we got i think i flew from houston this year or no i flew from san francisco over and it was like 14 hours you know to get to istanbul and then from istanbul to the next one's like six hours so you know those are not terrible like not great but and then from there we hopped another you know, domestic flight in Kazakhstan for an hour and we drove four hours on a shitty like dirt road, you know, with a crazy Kazakhstan driver. Yeah. And then, uh, 
with like you know just like that's like the crazy part is the roads are really shitty they're through like old military bases in the middle of nowhere and you're just like looking over and it's like yep that's if you drive over there you're dead you know like no seat belts nothing but after an hour or so you, you just forget about it right there's nothing you can do but then on the way back they had closed all the domestic flights they got later in the year you know like i guess you know mid-october they closed them down because there's just nobody flying in that area and uh it was it was terrible. We had to drive all the way from the hunting area back to the main city where we flew in. It took 17 hours. And Good it's Lord. like if you had to drive it on a paved road, it would probably only take you like five hours, right? But it's just the most terrible road you could imagine, you know? And like there's just no there's no lines. It's just dirt, and there's just people passing each other everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And they're in there, they're smoking cigarettes the whole time, you know, so the whole thing is full of cigarette smoke and they're driving like crazy and you're just sitting in the back like, I just pray that I'll make it out of this alive, you know? Yeah. How long were you guys over there? I think we ended up being over there for like 10 days in total, like with the hunting and then all the travel by the time we flew back. Yeah. Brian's bugged the crap out of me to go over and hunt uh, Marco and, and uh, Ibex and I, I just haven't... Uh... I haven't done it, um, or I haven't been able to, to do it. And most of it, uh, as much as I'd like to, I'm not, uh, I really like hunting all the animals in North America and, uh, I hate traveling that far and, and being over in that part of the world. It's like you, you explained it best right there. It is not what you're used to coming from the U S going over there. There's not a lot of rules and regulations followed on the roads not that it's that big of a deal, but when you put yourself in the cliffs that like I was like, I don't know if you guys were in the shitty little buses at all where they're driving and the cliffs are on one side, but you're like, I'm going to fucking die today in a bus out of everything oh, yeah. I've been through. <laughs> oh, no, I, I well, so like the, the biggest dangerous thing for me when I was there was the horses. So like these guys, they ride like it's some Russian breed of horse and they're a little bit smaller and they're super agile and sure footed. But they ride them absolutely everywhere. They ride them right to the freaking top of the mountain. They ride them right through boulder fields, shale. It doesn't matter. Scree, like, you know, you think the horse is going to fall at any second. And you're just looking around you. And you're like, I'm feet are in the stirrups. I got a backpack on full of gear. If the horse goes ass over tea kettle, like, I'm dead. Like, I'm going to smoke my head on that sharp rock and it'll be all over, you know. And that's how it is for, like, you know. 80% of the time, because you just ride horses everywhere, the, you know, the train's so steep, and you, there's no way if you were to backpack in that country, you, you know, if you blew a stock on a ram, like, you'd be freaking dazed to get into the next canyon, you know? Yeah, yeah. Did you, um, have you hunted with Brian much? Um, well, I mean, I've never hunted personally with him, but that, the, so the Russian hunt was through him, my owl dad, and then that, um, Kazakhstan trip, I booked through him. Yeah, they, they all go pretty well. Yep. Yeah, all of them were. As well as you can imagine, like you said, for for overseas stuff, you got to really have an open mind and be willing to just kind of go with the flow because you, you don't really know what's going on a lot of the time either, you know? Kind of looking at them and staring at what they're doing for 15 minutes to try and figure out if we're riding the horses left or right or are we putting our backpacks on or are we eating? <laughs> like, what are, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He And he does quite a brian does quite a bit you know over overseas and and uh and he had a he had a good i wanted to try and kill one of the two with the stick bow which sounds pretty freaking close to impossible but who knows um 
but I'm sure he'd like to watch me suffer and try it. But uh, it didn't sound like it was the most feasible thing in the world to do is to kill kill a Marco or an Ibex over there with a stick bow. Yeah, they might like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what Brian's input on it, but I've heard of some of the things for bow hunters they've done over there is they like to put salt out and stuff, you know. Oh, gotcha. Try and, try and get them to come into a lick or something where you can control the situation a little bit. Yeah, it does not look like overly appealing um, on the videos I've watched where there's, you know, 40 of them bedded in the middle of nowhere 700 yards out and pretty yeah. un- unapproachable. <laughs> but Yeah. The uh yeah well it is what it is I'm kind of curious do you plan on going over there yourself at all I would like to do like I want to do I say probably the next like international thing I'd like to do is the Azerbaijan tour I think that would be pretty cool um, and you can bow hunt over there actually so if I did that I would bring my bow and a rifle and give it a, give it a few stalks at least what um are you so over the I guess the course of the last I don't know since I've known you hunting around any of those hunts stick out more than the others leaving out the 200 inch mule deer any of the other than the nose that uh <laughs> especially ones that you su- could suggest to guys Cause we get a lot of people obviously just wanting to start getting into hunting or come out west any of those hunts that kind of stick out in your mind that are affordable that you'd suggest to guys to go yeah i mean my my favorite thing to do really is is pawn elk with a bow you know in september which i mean there's plenty of places you can go do that um i mean idaho's kind of like my favorite state to just do over-the-counter stuff but then like i mean i've done thick of black hill a couple times in alaska that is like i mean for for like a really adventurous type hunt you know like out of the ordinary for most people just the you know seeing new country and experience in alaska and stuff like i think that's probably one of your best bang for your bucks you know you can do that for less than four thousand door to door you know like including taking care of some of your meat and everything if you planner right you know and then tons of deer you know yeah well that's what but i say booked one we i'm going over there this year it's there's no guide but and that's what it, yeah. it looked like somewhere around with the charter fee getting in and taking care of animals and everything else i figured somewhere between that three and four thousand range on the high end would 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 get you there pretty fairly easily what well, you know what i mean the getting the animals back shit man i found just freeze them and i fly back with them and just pay for the the fee to come with the meat anyway, you know what I mean? And just pay for yeah. the, the extra baggage. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what we did. I mean, we shot, I mean, we could have, we all had three deer tags, you know, that when I went this year, but, uh, you know, we just shot one each and we, yeah, we just froze them. And at the hotel, like most of those places you go to, you know, they're, you're used to fishermen and hunters and stuff. So they have like walk-in freezers in the hotel and you just freeze your meat. Like you said, throw it in a freaking fish box and, ship it with your bag yeah i mean that's what we did this year with uh well frank got a goat and then i got that that uh wolverine and yeah we just froze them and brought them back they threw some extra fish in there for us because we had extra room in the box and a little bit extra weight to go and yeah it worked out good and i've done that in several different areas where i've you know come back and pretty inexpensive i think it's 75 bucks for extra bags so it's a hell of a lot cheaper than trying to you know ship it back and, and depending upon yeah. someone to do it too so yeah those are kind of some of my favorites i mean i like high country mule deer too those are you know cheap and easy for the average guy and if you're willing down with a bow like and there's a lot good a pretty good amount of tags that are available even if you don't have any points you know yeah yep well cool well anything else you want to cover man while you're on here i um you got so many different hunts under your your belt i heard i don't really know even what else to cover the mule deer was one i just wanted to hear about because it's such a damn big mule deer but um yeah. any advice for guys that are trying to hunt more than uh they are right now i'll just i think maybe like you said you know that's, that's what i've tried to do is just 
you know, you got to plan, I think your life a little bit differently. You know, if, if there's something that you're doing right now, that's not, you know, it's, whether it's your job or whatever that isn't allowing you to hunt more than you got to take a look at it and adjust your priorities, you know, like for me, I've, I've sacrificed money, you know, so that I could hunt more. And that, that meant more to me the last few years. So I gave up money to hunt. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of explained to it to guys, if you're writing your book of life and you want most of those chapters to be filled with hunting, uh, there's going to be a lot of chapters or, or the beginning of chapters of sacrifice to get to those <laughs> chapters to yeah. to hunt or whatever. And, you know, that kind of goes, you know, anybody listening in, if you eat out three times a week, stop eating out. That'll save you probably hundred and some bucks a week that you can do it. And I, I think one of the biggest things, if you look at Craig's page, you know, you'll see is there's a lot of adventures there. And if you, if you sacrifice, you can definitely do it. So but, well, man, I, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the support from Kafaru. You've been a, you hardly ever talk to me and support the hell out of a Kafaru. So I appreciate that. And definitely tell everybody where your Instagram page, where they can take a look at some of your adventures. Okay. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just my name, Craig Van Arsdale on Instagram and Facebook. Gotcha. Well, cool. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yep. No problem, man. Take it easy.